Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. The sermon topic is, do I have to pray? Do I have to pray? Do I have to pray? I know that, see, at times... At times, I get, I get the idea of, um, yes, we have to pray, and things and things like that, but at times, I feel that it's important that we begin to look at these things for the reason why you have to pray. Because when you don't understand the reason of something, you are bound to abuse it. You are bound to abuse it. Now, what I will say is that the first answer to this statement lies in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. When God said, let us make man in our own image and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, all over the earth and everything that creeps on the earth. Why is this statement the foundation of prayer? Of why prayer was formed? Prayer was formed because before now, God said, we are the one, let us, we are the one creating everything. But this single statement, let them, what does it mean? When he said let them, that means he's saying, we are redrawing. They are the ones that will begin to manage what happens. So, God in his own sovereignty, because God is sovereign, basically he can do whatever he chooses to do, but God is also sovereign in such a way that he has, he obeys his word. That's why the Bible says that I lift up my word, my, my my word above my name. So this single statement transferred responsibility from us to them. That was why after you read this all through, the Bible says God rested. So that means that even if God has an idea of what he wants to happen on earth, no matter how excited he is, man will have a grant access. That is why you have in Psalms 115 verse 16, he said, the heavens, sorry, is it Psalm, are we together? Um, the Bible says that the heavens, even the heavens is for the Lord and the head as he given to the children of men. Amen. Psalm 115, verse 16. 16. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. The heaven, even the heaven. So God is saying, the heaven is mine. Yes, ma'am. But the earth he has given to the children of men. But the heart have I given to men. I was, I went out doing a bit of evangelism yesterday, and I was speaking to a young white guy. 
And one of the questions was asking that if God is really what he is, why is there chaos around the world? And I was explaining to him the sovereignty of God and how God has placed it. I would just share this and I would move on quickly. Is that there was a woman, Mary Baxter, she was praying one day in her house, and I will touch a little bit on that furthermore. She was praying in her house, and all of a sudden as she was praying, she kind of felt or she saw a, a, a plane roving, roving, and that plane was about to crash. And she was praying, and she began to pray. She, she just began to pray that God, you protect this this plane will not come down. This plane will not come down. And she prayed for a while. Then afterwards, she just felt the release in her mind. And she stopped praying. Ten years later, she was in a airport. So she now sat beside a lady who said, uh, who was trying to get water and every other thing. And she was saying, what's going on? He said, um, she said, um, I just have issues with flat. I said, okay. I said, I said, I said, don't worry, you'll be okay. He said, yes, but on so, so, so day, our plane was flying. And there was, we were about to crash. So that plane began to rove and rove and rove. All of a sudden, it just gained its stamina. And it later landed. What was God doing? God wanted to save that plane. But he was looking for someone to grant him access to be able to do it. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus. So when people say that, ah, God should, God, God, God can do, God should be able to do it. There is a reason why Jesus himself was praying when he was on earth. Now, when you go to lectures of our time, Matthew chapter, let's go to Matthew, please, amen. Um, it says, therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things that you need before, uh, the, you need before you ask him. Then he now said, he didn't say so, don't pray. He said, in this manner, therefore, pray. He's saying God is already aware of what you need. See, this idea of praying as if God is the one standing against you and what you want to get. The Bible says that God, Jesus is saying, your father knows what you need. He wants to give it to you. But the way he operates is that you come in alignment with what he's saying. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, you say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What does that say is that what you have settled in heaven, let it happen here. So Jesus said, yes, your Father really wants you to have it. God is not against you. He's not standing on your way. He's just looking for you to agree with him. So we see Isaiah again. Isaiah 65, people like to quote this scripture. The Bible says, and he 
come to, and it shall come to pass that before you call, I will answer. Do you know what this should mean? So go and sleep. <laughs> but he said, and while you are calling, I will hear. So God is saying, when you want to pray, when something happens, I see it. And I want to respond. But I need you to pray. And when we understand this foundation of our prayer, you begin to understand that Prayer is not supposed to be, and you are not battling with God. You are not battling with God. God, what you want, God wants it more than you want it. The Bible says that he that gave his son, shall he not be able to give you even much? What else will he not want to give you? And one of the greatest challenge is that people have, first of all, had this intention that ah, God help us in Jesus' name. I'm going to make an illustration for you. It's going to be a bit. It was a scripture that we read. Now in John chapter 15. Okay, sorry. Hallelujah. Let's just go there. This is John Wesley. John Wesley says God does nothing except to respond to the prayers of the righteous person. Let's go to John chapter 15. Now, Jesus said, abide in me and hide in you. He said, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless he abides in the vine. Neither can you, um, neither can you, unless you abide in me. So Jesus is saying, you are the branch. But you need to have fruit. Where does fruit come from? Seed. So you have, for you to get a fruit, you need to start from seed. What is a seed? The seed is something that is hidden that has the ability to become something. But it is inside that thing. But until it bears fruit, you cannot, you cannot, it is of no use. So, what did Jesus now say? How can you get out that fruit? Let's, let's move forward to verse. Next slide, please. He says, he says, but if you abide in me, and I in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done to you. He said, by this, the Father is glorified that, that you bear much fruit. So Jesus is saying that to bear that fruit that God is going to be excited about, in between it, you need to ask. What he's saying is that that seed is inside you. But for that seed to become a fruit, it is on the altar of prayer. What is a seed? Luke chapter 1 verse 18. I'm talking about this. The Bible says, the Bible says, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. 
That is why it is important when you read the scriptures, when they want to do the prayers, the word is first of all shared because that is planting seed in them. And when they come into the place, that's why some people say, you know, ah, you, uh, uh, we need to pray. Um, um, uh, there is no need. Um, we, don't, we, we don't need much word. You don't have seed. There is no seed. Once that seed is planted, then you come to the altar of prayer and that seed manifests itself into a fruit. That's why Jesus said that if my, please, if you go, um, he said, and he said, if you abide in me and my words in you, then he went to prayer. What was he saying? Set to this case, be sure that you are my child and ensure that my word is inside you. Then you can go into prayer. May God count us grace in Jesus' name. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, life and death lies in the tongue. Power of life and death lies in the tongue. And please look at what he said. Those who love it, another version will tell you, those who know how to use it will eat its fruits. Before it becomes fruit, you must have a seed. And that seed is the word of God that is placed inside you. And this principle has ever been. For anything that you see that God gives birth to, from inception, it is the spirit rolls first and the word is spoken. Genesis also, the Bible says spirit was roaming about. But until a word was released, it did not come to pass. Isaiah chapter 59, he says that as for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit is upon you and my word shall I put in your mouth. So when you have the spirit roving around you, when you are filled with the power of God and you are not expressing it in, in words, all you have is spirit on you, but the words is not coming out. Then you have that also in the book of Hearts. Where the Bible talks about and they were together in one accord. They were praying. And what happened? The spirit came forth. And when the spirit matched the word, what happened? 3,000 people gave their life to Christ. Fruits. When the spirit matches the word, fruits comes forth. Fruit comes forth. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 43. He says, behold, and most of most people like this scripture, behold, I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth. I will make a road in the wilderness. How many of us have quoted the scriptures before? So many times. God said, behold, in your show to turn. Hallelujah. But when we forget is that that scripture ends with something. 
with a warning. Please go to the next slide. It says, yeah, they shall deliver. So these are all the blessings. Yes, ma'am. And verse 22, he said, but they have not called upon me. Oh, but you have not called upon me, Jacob. You have not, you have been weary of me, O Israel. So God is saying that, see, all these promises is great. But until you express it in the place of prayer, you only say, and you're shown to two. And nothing to do is come. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, let's just show us one thing more and we would move on quickly from there. You know, I've made a description that God is expecting you to bear fruit, but what you have is seed. And what can transform that fruit to seed is in the place of prayer. We would give, I'll show you an example of Jesus and his disciples. Luke chapter 9. The Bible says that, and it came to pass on the eighth day after these things that Peter, John, James, and John went to the mountain to pray. The Bible says, as he prayed, his appearance began, was altered, and his robe was garnished like what? So it was uh, glistering. Amen. Now, if you go to verse, if you go to verse 232, because of our time, it says, But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. So while Jesus was praying, his disciples were doing what? They were sleeping. They all have the gift of God upon them, but while he was praying, they were sleeping. So, you now see the result of that issue. The Bible now says, if you go further, if you, the Bible says in verse 40, um, the Bible says, okay, what happens is that, the Bible says that Jesus came down, in verse 39, Jesus came down, and when he came down, a man came to him, and he said, I have asked your disciples to cast out these demons. But they could not. Go to the previous. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah, just Next. 40. Amen. He said, but they could not. Yes, ma'am. And while it was still coming, the demon chewed down on himself. Where was he just coming from? From the altar prayer. Remember, his disciples were doing what? They were sleeping. So the Bible now says that then Jesus rebuked the spirit, healed the child. And gave it back to his father. Let's go to now. Let me let's look at the same scripture again from Mark chapter 9. The Bible says that when his disciple, when he came into his house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast out um, sorry, cast it out? So he said to them, This kind does not come out. Except by but by prayer and fasting. What were they doing? They were sleeping. So by the time they came out, they said, Get out in the name of Jesus. Shut up. Get out. <laughs> Jesus said it's not that complicated. If when I was praying you were awake, you will not. Speaking to them and they will say, shut up. 
I'm going to also make this statement to us. Let's go to the next slide, please. Okay, let's go to let's go to the um, uh, next one. Mark, uh, Mark, sorry, Luke, that's it. He says, Luke, level one. He says, now that was Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter eleven. They understood what the scores were. The Bible says that now, when one day Jesus was praying and he entered a certain place, and as he finished, one of his disciples said to him, "Lord, teach us how to pray." Is it not interesting that they did not ask him, teach us how to do miracles? He said, teach us how to pray. Because uh, John also taught his, his, his disciples. I'm going to make this statement. Go to the previous one. I'm going to make this statement to you. You cannot partake in any anointing. Any, see, whatever powerful spiritual man that you see, no matter their gifts, if you are not ready to partake in their altar of prayer, you can only carry their words. You cannot carry anything else. You cannot partake in a man's anointing if you are not prepared to partake in his prayer life. Hannah, Hannah was, Hannah, Hannah has been going to, there is a man, a pastor, that has been training online it's like um a business kind of training in terms of no it's, it's like leadership development and those kind of stuff this man to the glory of god he has in part of the group he has raised a woman from i don't know where she came from but almost nowhere to become an mp so it, it mentors people it mentors leaders governors presidents whatever it is so the man now had, they now had um, a, week, a, a day away. So when the wife had a day away, they were going to sleep over. So they booked an hotel. They went. And in the morning at 5.30 in the morning, that man woke everybody up. And he said, let's go out to go and pray. So when she got home, she was telling me, I said, do you know what he showed you? The source of his power. All the ones you are doing is classroom. Because you cannot partake in what is carrying if you are not ready to pay the same price in the place of prayer. That's why you ask so many people that you know, there are people that you know, you, uh, you look up to, you want to follow, you want to be like them. But you, it is not possible because it is not only in listening to their sermons, but being ready to pay the price on the altar of prayer because that is where the power comes from. I was privileged to know that, you know, and he has said it, said it a couple of times. When daddy was, uh, when him and Fakir was still went together, they would finish service. Fakir would say, we are going somewhere. Tell your children and your wife to take the bus and go home. They would leave church after service. Next stop, seaside. After that, they go to the mountain. Then they come back again, Sunday morning, morning. What was he showing him? Showing him the source of where it comes from. Times when you have, see, 
At times, you cannot carry what a man carries by just reading it. You need to know the root where it is coming because that is what is backing what they are saying. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. So it is good. See, I was, I had, I had, a, a, I had an, a, a meeting where one day one man of God came to London and I went there. And we were, people were signing up there. We were signing books. So later he signed mine. And people were saying, pray for us. And because I've known him, I've followed him quite well. I, in fact, I saw one of his, uh, we met one of his spiritual children that is also, God has blessed a lot his ministry in his country. We met him at the airport one day. And he was talking to us. We were talking and he said to us, he said, oh, he said, uh, he said um, so Hannah said, uh, before you can you just pray for us? So he said, what do you want? And I said, pronounce a blessing. Hannah was there, he smiled, he looked at me, he said, you've been around for a while. <laughs> because see, it is not in the, what I'm trying to say is that, okay, let me go back to that story. We, we met this man, and I, and when everybody was praying, nearly everybody was praying, he was praying for everybody, in the name of Jesus. And when he got to me, he said, be blessed. Ah! <laughs> I said, be blessed. Is that... Everything. I just left not happy. I won't lie to you, I need to be honest. Couple of months, about you know, about seven, eight months later, I had a dream. I saw him in my dream. And there was one pastor also in this country. They were both talking and they were laughing. I said, Why are you laughing? And he said, He did not know that the day I said, Be blessed, I have released everything that I have to. I'm going somewhere with this. One day God now told me, he said, no matter what you see in your dream, it will never become anything if you are not ready to pay the same price paid. And when that is covered by the the price he paid. Some of them, they wake up as early as as early as maybe one a.m. before they preach on Sunday. See, so God was just basically saying, no matter if you see revelation beyond that, it's just, it remains revelation until you are ready to pay the price on the altar of prayer. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, as we push this a little bit further is that when Jesus was describing Luke chapter 11 when Jesus was describing um, prayer like you see here was they asked him to teach us to pray he described prayer in three dimensions in Luke chapter 11 he described it as our father, he described it as a friend he described it as a judge but I'm not focusing on, on our father, the aspect of prayer I'm talking about judge, but I'm talking about friend so when you read Luke chapter 11, verse 5, verse 5 to, um, verse 5, the Bible says that, the Bible says that Jesus was talking about prayer. Remember that's where he started from. He said, suppose a friend, suppose a, a friend 
and, and so suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and we, I have no food to offer him. Please notice this. You will see later that God, Jesus was describing, um, sorry, let's just go back to the previous slide. Jesus was describing God as this friend. So basically, Uncle Joshua, come back to the call. Amen. So, hallelujah. Jesus should do Jesus. Jesus should do Amen. Jesus is tall. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> no, she's, you know, when is the only Michael? The only Michael is not that one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So, she is my friend. That's what Jesus was saying. She is my friend. She is his friend. I don't have a relationship with him. He's the one that has bread. But because I am hungry, so I told her, please, can you get me bread? And she said, I don't have it, but I have a friend that can give it to you. So she now went to him and said, give me bread. The Bible says that, Jesus, the Bible says, go to the next side. The Bible says that, it says, suppose that, um, suppose on, on the other side, sorry, suppose the one inside said, do not bother me. The door is already locked and my children are asleep and I'm bed. I cannot give up any, I cannot stand up and give you anything. Go further. He said, I tell you, even though he would not get up to give her bread because of their friendship, yet because of her shameless audacity, shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give her as, as much as you need. I said to you, ask and you would, and, and you will be given. What was he saying is that she now went to me and said, I need bread. She said, excuse me, I don't have your time. She said, no, 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 I need this bread. He said, because of her shameless audacity, that is consistency in prayer. He said, just take the bread. So what does she do with the bread? She comes to give it to me. This is the understanding of what a Christian relationship is. There are people that may not have access to God. But you are the friends that they have. And they are counting on you to speak to your friend for the food that they need. Does this make sense? So Jesus was saying that maybe you have somebody in your household that has one problem or the other. And you know that, you know, maybe they are still one way or the other away from Christ. You go, you, you as a friend say, you know, don't worry, I have a friend that will give it to you. I said, God, you must do this thing. Answer this prayer. What was happening? The example I gave before. The people that were in play, in the plane, God wanted to save them. So God had to put it in her heart. So that she now asked him for their safety. And he granted it. Does this make sense? So when Jesus was talking about prayer in the, on the platform of friendship, what he was saying is that you, are, you, you should be able to carry other people's requests 
to him so that they can get their answers. That is why when you say, I am a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a priest that does not have anybody praying for, is... Now, what does the Bible call wickedness? If I tell you to define wickedness now, people will define the witch that is lying <laughs> and things like that. Jesus never defined wickedness in our religious scriptures. What he defined as wickedness is that you have access to him and you see somebody suffering and you say, it doesn't bother me. Why? Because you have access to their liberty. That's why I said I was talking about school of ministry. You have friends. People that you know, they have one particular issue. It doesn't matter. I'm just using scriptures. I didn't call you wicked. The scriptures. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you don't know that song, Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. God bless you. So let's go to Luke, say, um, Matthew chapter 18. He says, this master called him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all, for, sorry, I forgave you all your debt because you begged me. You do not, and so should you not also have compassion on your fellow people? What he's saying is that I call you wicked because what you are having access to you know that other people need that same access, but you are refusing. Remember what Jesus called that woman shameless audacity. She was shameless, saying, you know, I don't care what you say, I must help my friend. That is where Christianity is around. It stands. Jesus defines wickedness. By somebody that has access to what somebody else needs and you refuse to do so. I just thought I should define wickedness for me aside from your for the witches that is flying in the village. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 29 to 30 says. Now, after we've said all that, I guess this scripture will, will make us, will, you would probably see that, you probably understand it better. It says, it says, the people of the land uh, used oppression, committed adultery, and mistreated the poor and the needy. They have wrongfully oppressed the stranger. What did, so what did God do? He said, so I sought for a man among them. I was talking to some CNS uh, recently, I said, they wanted to, I said, see, it is never written, there is no scriptural basis for it, that you are not committed, you are not a member of CNS school that you want to help them. It is not possible. You cannot be going to another, and, and it doesn't have, God, when God chooses a priest, it is from the midst of the people. So you cannot go doing um, visiting Sojourner, so, so amen. Hallelujah. So basically, he says, I sought for a man among them who would, who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on their behalf. 
He said, but I found no, no one. There was no one who was willing to stand. Amen. I have five moments to go. Amen. So, I want to show you one scripture as we take one more after one more discussion after that, and we would we will close in prayer. First Timothy chapter two, verse one to two. It says, "Therefore, I exalt you first of all that you make supplication and intercession." For all men, giving thanks, sorry, so the intercession and giving thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority, that you may lead a that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. What is wrong with this statement? If I were in the gathering, that Paul said this. I would say, excuse me, sir. What you are saying does not make sense. Why do you think it makes sense? Because you are not ready for it. How can you have kings and men in authority and you also be the one leading? Does that not contradict itself? These are the people in authority. How come you are the one leading? He said that we may lead. So I should pray the best I would say, Sir, this does not make sense. How can I be leading? A leader is the person that, the person leading is the leader, the one that is responsible. How would I be the one responsible? You are saying to me that I am the one responsible. Although you are saying some people are in authority. Why? Because you lead from the altar prayer. This company, they are just doing whatever they want to do. These people are so useless. Paul is saying, you are, you are the one leading. Where do you lead from? From the altar prayer. Politicians are making silly, whatever, whatever it is. Yes. Paul is saying, no. See, this country is where it is because of the church. Nigeria is where it is because of the church. Forget about it. I'm not talking about preaching now. It's where it is because of the church. You will measure this, how good a, the church is in the country by the status of the that nation. Why? Because they are the one leading. So Paul said, see, again, analogy of that friend. This one's kings and, and or people in authority don't have that friend. But you have that friend and you have access to him. So that's why Paul said, that's why I said if I was in this class, see, no, that's what I Says that Lord, this can, because if you read the property, you say, No, no, you can't be said that I'm responsible for this country, you can't be said I'm responsible for my family, you can't be said I'm responsible for my company. God is saying, No, you can lead 
from the altar of prayer. Now let us see a man that led from the altar of prayer as we close. Elijah. Now, I will start from First Kings 17, but First Kings 16. He said that it came to pass throughout the land was um, had been traveled in sorry. Basically, is that there were scenes of the land, and sorry, my eyes is a bit funny at times. He said, Amen. He says, um, this man took took his wife, he took as wife Jezebel and the daughter of that's King of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal and in the temple of Baal, which had built in Samaria. So basically, what happened here? There was ungodliness on that land. First Kings 17 1. Let's just read that. First Kings 17 1. Then Elijah came out, and Elijah said, It shall not rain in this land except I say so. There was chaos in the land. People were worshipping idols. And Elijah said, it cannot rain except I say so. Before you say Elijah is a powerful prophet, James chapter 5 says Elijah is a man Just like that. us. Now, let us now see what Elijah did. How he brought everything together. I'm going to put it in three slides, in three points. This is Elijah's prayer. That, that word that he said, that pronouncement that he said, is based on these three scriptures. That word Elijah said is based on these three scriptures. Scripture number one. He says, Deuteronomy 10 here, he says, And the Lord said at the time, Separate the tribe of Levi to bear the ark, and the covenant of the Lord to stand before me and minister to me. Minister, minister to, the, to him and bless in his name. So basically what he's saying is that if you are from the tribe of Levites, you have that grace upon your life. What he's talking about, where he comes from, is family heritage. What did Jesus say? What was the first thing that Jesus said? If you abide in me, that was the first statement he said. So if you say, Elijah, are you abiding in God? Yes. Second statement. Deuteronomy 11, 16 to 17 said, take it to yourself. Lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other God and worship them. Is that correct? In That was what was happening. In the days of Elijah. What did God say will happen the next time? He said, least the hand of the God arose against you and he shot heavens that there would be no rain. Elijah was not just doing what he likes. A scripture was backing the authority that he was given. Because God has said already that if people do this, this is going to be my response. So Elijah did not just come and start to pray. He had, first of all, known who he was. Second, understood the scripture. 
Then, thirdly, James chapter 5 now told us that he began, the Bible says that Elijah was a man like us, like us, he prayed earnestly that he would not reign had he not reign. So what, what was the three things that he did? Elijah knew who am I in Christ? Two, what does God say in the scripture about this? Three, go in the place of prayer. What now happens? He now stepped out in, in first Kings 7 and said he would not reign. If you don't have those three steps, if you shout, he will not train. You are just on your own. Hallelujah. Amen. And we'll have it in John chapter. I'm just going to read two more scriptures. Um, John chapter 15, and that's what I said. Jesus said, if you abide in me, where does that fit in Elijah? Elijah was from the Levite. And my word abide in you. Where does that fall in? Elijah said, God said, if people sin against and talk that God, there will be no rain. Then you shall hax. What did Elijah do? James chapter 5. He hax. And what happened? I would encourage us as we close this. Is that when you are praying, it's important that I just say that First Corinthians. He says, What is it? My, what, sorry, what's my conclusion then? I will pray in the spirit and I also pray in understanding. At times people have limited this to praying in tongues alone. But what I will say to you also is that what is saying praying in the spirit at times that you are not praying, your consciousness. I don't know if I've ever seen it before. You are praying and something just drops in your mind. Maybe a name just flashes through your mind. What is God doing? Dragging your attention to that place. And when you begin to stand in the place of prayer, as you start to follow that thing, you begin, understanding begins to come. That's why I said, there are some prayers that I will pray. I don't understand what's happening, but I'm praying and a thought just comes through my mind. And I begin to pray about, about that very particular thing. That is standing in the gap for people. This last statement is one that a king made, sorry, a queen. She was the queen of Scotland. And there was a man who was not a pastor, he was supporting pastors most of the time in his ministry. His name is John Knox. This is what the Queen Mary of Scotland said. She said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled army of Europe. This is not, this is someone that understands war. He said, if I see the whole army of Europe coming against my country, I would, and I see John Knox on his knees. I fear John Knox more than the whole army of Europe. This is not Bible times. This is in modern times. Who was John Knox? A man that will hold a nation's steel on his knees. She knows that if John Knox can say, 
I will deal with this in prayer. <laughs> you are in trouble. Are you going to be the John Knox of your family? Are you going to be the John Knox of the body of Christ? This man was just an ordinary man. But he knew how to hold a nation that a king was afraid. That if John Knox can dare pray, we are in trouble. This was men that understood who, who, where they belonged. They understood that I have a friend that I can just say, this nation is going through trouble. I need you to send help. And God will arise. Do you know the song that's quite interesting? It says that song that says, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. What are you doing with that friendship? How are you making the best of that friendship? Come rise up. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.